Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, good friend of the program, Dieter Kurtenbach, is back. We're going to run through our midseason all NBA teams, all of our NBA awards, MVP, sixth man of the year, coach of the year, uh, defensive player of the year, which that race is just a total mess right now. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Does anyone want to play defense in the NBA right now? Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, we're sponsored by Hims and Simple Contacts. Dieter, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm frantic. I'm running around. Uh, Boogie's coming back, so things have changed a little <laughs> bit on the sleepy Golden State Warriors beat. Um, he is not thrilled to be talking to the media on a regular basis. Not sure if you should have seen that one coming. Shocker. Downright <laughs> shocker. <laughs> it's all good. One less thing to have to worry about. He gives pithy quotes. Less time transcribing. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, I'm just thinking if uh, I've ever interacted with Sean McVay because I would like to be an NFL head coach, too. Dude, I know. I've been, like, trying to figure that out. Like, who is the college basketball or NBA equivalent of Sean McVay? Like, uh, there's definitely not one in college basketball because Mike Shashevsky, like, pe- the book's out that those accolades aren't necessarily <laughs> the best options. Um, NBA, I mean, I don't know. Luke Walton isn't really working out for Steve Kerr. I guess the pop pop would have that. Like, has anyone touched pop? But it doesn't seem as um, well, brazen it, it, as this. Isn't Jim Boylan a pop guy? Uh, yeah, he might be messing that up for the rest of us. I mean, that's <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, in theory, like Sean Mc, like not all of these guys are going to be good NFL head coaches. And then, like guys who work with Sean McVay in the future are going to be like looked over because the flavor of yeah. the month is no longer the flavor of the month. It's cool though because it just reminds me that like as much as you know, the, there's a very humbling nature to working in sports. You don't get everything right. You know, I, I didn't play the game professionally. I I, I don't not the most plugged in guy in the world, all this stuff. And then you look around and you're like, wow, the NFL, they're literally just looking at the Rams depth chart and just being like, that guy can be our head coach. And they interview well, like there's a lot of stupidity still out there. And uh, at least I'm not, I'm not in that class. Well, yeah. Like think about it from like an ownership perspective, right? Like owners make their money in like other sports or other oh, industries. Totally. Right. So like, yeah. A guy comes in, he destroys an interview because like everyone in football, like, yeah, there are, there are differing levels of like football intelligence within right. the industry, obviously. Uh, right. But like everyone, there's still some, there's still some heads out there to be fair. But like, if you meet someone for an hour, yeah. anyone in football has the general capability of talking to someone about football for an hour and sounding. Yeah. I'd like to say that Jim Tom Sula was a head coach in recent years. So <laughs> as much as I love Jim Tom Sula and he's a really interesting guy to talk to on like a normal person level, like is it, exactly... isn't, isn't Tom Sula the guy that told you to put salt in Bud uh, Light? Yeah, that was, it was like, that is something I had been doing since I was living in Florida, but Tom Sula like stopped a press conference to tell everybody that. And I'm just like my man in the middle of the press conference. It was very <laughs> unprofessional, but I remember that. It's the only thing I remember from the Jim tom sula era the very short-lived jim tom sula era but uh, oh man yeah they hired him and like someone gave hugh jackson a job for an extended period of time and then like <laughs> someone else gave him a job after he completely fucked up the browns like stupidity still exists so it, as stupid as we're about to sound it, it could be a lot worse i promise everybody. yeah like I'm like seriously looking through college basketball coaches right now, like trying to find the guy who like most nurtures other head coaches. It's hard, it's, man. Yeah. Like, like There's Jay so Wright is probably, jobs, it's probably Jay Wright. Like Jay Wright yeah. got Ashley Howard a job. He got Baker Dunleavy a job this year. Like if you have access to Jay Wright, I would be trying to go for a head coaching job ASAP because that, like, that is, it's coming. not even, it's not even so much that these guys are putting themselves in the running. It's that there's like, 
a run on Mc, McVeigh assistance. Like anyone, right. it's, the, it's the Kevin Clark joke. Are you friends with Sean McVeigh? If yes, you're hired. <laughs> if no, you're not hired. Like, um, it's just so, I mean, it's just so goddamn funny. Uh, can, can I just point that, something out about Kevin Clark, by the way? Because I know you you two are friends, right? Yeah. So We're I will say this. buddies down at Rancho Park. Well, back in the day when I was living down there. Kevin Clark, without any like knowledge of it, has inspired me to up my jacket game. Oh, that dude has you're never going to get on his level. You're never going to get on the most consistent fire jacket game of I, any human being. I think I have told Kevin before that he is wasting his time in Los Angeles while it might be the media <laughs> epicenter of the West Coast and all this. It's not a jacket city. You got to come up to the real jacket city, San Francisco, California. This is his true calling, his true talent, his true passion. You got to come play with the big dogs from now until he comes up here. I mean, he's just a he's just a big fish in a small jacket pond. Oh my! Uh, all right, let's uh, let's jump in. Let's talk about the MVP race because I think that that's the one everyone cares about. It yeah. uh, seemed pretty clear through the first quarter of the season. Did we do quarter uh, awards? I think right. Well, I mean, we might have just in passing, but I'm not sure if we recorded it. Yeah. So like. <laughs> The first quarter was like very clearly Giannis, and yes. now James Harden has stepped up and become this unbelievable, all-encompassing force that no one yeah. can stop offensively. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest; I still have Giannis at number one on my MVP because I think he has been the most consistent force throughout the course of the entire season so far. Right. But what James Harden has done over the last like ten to fifteen games seems impossible. Like it right. genuinely seems like something that no one could possibly ever do it, like he is preposterous he is literally doubling and tripling like other players in pull-up threes per game he has more pull-up threes i think by himself than any other team in the nba right now yeah um it's no, that's, factual. Un- that's exactly yeah what's it's happening. it's unbelievable the way that he's transforming offense uh if he continues along this pace by the time we do like two quarters of, or two-thirds of the way through yeah. the season those awards we the will seven, the seven eighths awards. Yeah, like certainly James Harden will be MVP for me then. But based off of the entire body of work of this year, yeah. I still do have Giannis there. Um, I will yeah. let you just kind of have the floor and tell me what you've got. I I don't want to say that James Harden <laughs> is the MVP because he has, uh, but you're right on the money with the, with the fifteen last fifteen games. I mean, he's averaging, averaging uh, 38 minutes a game. He has a 116 offensive rating in his last 15 games, which is patently absurd. Uh, And he has a usage rating of 40 over the last 15 games. So he's doing this on his own. Not Uh, possible. It's 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 happening. This is happening. Those are the actual stats. Um, And given what that has meant to the Rockets, uh, we can get into the semantical argument over the most valuable player award and what that means. But the Rockets have gone from 13th place up into the conversation for the number one seed in the Western Conference. Over this span, it has been hardened and mostly just hardened. Again, usage rate of 40 fucking percent. Um, I don't like the notion of giving the MVP to a guy who has a defensive rating of 111 on the season. But and, and certainly Giannis is infinitely deserving. But if we're saying halfway through the season right now, we're, we're drawing a line in the sand, and it's who the MVP is today. If the season were to end today, I think I would have to do James Harden, if nothing else, for recency bias. Now, if we're saying who's going to be the MVP at the end of the season, I'm with you on Giannis, because not only has he been most consistent to this point, that will lend itself, I presume, to the second half of the year. Whereas James Harden, I know he can sustain it to a certain degree, but 
I, I don't know when the tired's going to hit because I don't think he's ever been on a stretch like this before when it comes to just straight usage. And I mean, the entire Rockets offense for two straight years was just James Harden. So um, I, again, I don't like the notion of giving it to a guy who only plays on one end of the court and has a 2.3 net rating, whereas Giannis has an 11.3, but uh, what it's meant to the Rockets and ultimately you know, Milwaukee has a lot of other good players, and we're going to mention a few of them, a few other factors for their tremendous success here in the next couple. Houston is is James Harden, only, only James Harden. That's a team that I would argue is worse than it was last year, and he has put them right back into the same stratosphere. You got to respect that. So I understand that. And really, I think that he only needs to get to like the end of January because that's when Chris Paul is expected to get back yeah. from the hamstring injury. So like if he can get them through the end of this, they can get Chris Paul back and they can finally like kind of take or James Harden at least can take the gas off the pedal just like slightly. a little bit. Yeah, right. Um, I wouldn't take y- it off too much, though. It's not like they were very good when Chris Paul was around. <laughs> right. Obviously. But like with Giannis, like you, you bring up the supporting cast argument. Yeah. Uh, like I don't think it's a fair argument, but man, I, 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 I'm drinking the Kool-Aid uh, here. I mean, I think that it's 51-49 right now in my book, and, and Giannis gets a little bit of help to a certain degree. I, I think mostly from coaching. He's kind, he's doing a lot of the same stuff he was doing last year. Well, I mean, year. Like, what are, are we, are we going to say that like uh, Mike D'Antoni is like a like a bad offensive coach though for what James Harden is doing? No, <laughs> like, but again, crazy. 40, 40, he's, he's doing he, it's 10% higher usage. I mean, it is. It's, re- that, it's really that's, unbelievable. That's extremely noted. Now, maybe but you say that 10% usage is offset by the fact that Giannis can play defense and has an 11.3 net rating on the back of a 100.8 defensive rating. Like that argument is salient to me. Like, okay, those cancel each other out or whatever degree. But, um, and that's why I said it's probably recency bias in which I feel it's hard. Uh, and, and mostly this jump up from the Rockets, who narrative wise are much more part of the day to day NBA narrative. And frankly, the narrative has changed dramatically as Harden has done this. So I'm going to be a sucker for the narrative to a certain degree. So you bring up the idea of supporting cast, though. And that's what I want yeah. to go to. Like, Chris Middleton is better than anyone else that James Harden has been doing this run with, with yes. Houston, right? Yes. yes. But like, after that, it gets like pretty close, right? Like I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't necessarily agree because Milwaukee has a much better system. They're much more defensively sound. Uh, like they have a I much love, better. Do you really think they have a much better offensive system than Houston? Aesthetically, yes. Uh, on the on the practicality sense, probably not. But yeah, I, like I, I, I just like, don't listen, agree we're gonna, with we're that. Talk, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you right now, Bud's my coach of the year, and I don't even think it's close. I agree so with that. I have for to sure. take that. I have to take that into account when you're we're doing this, where it's like, okay, how much of Giannis's jump up from where he was last year, which was preposterous numbers in and of itself, has to do with the rising tide right, lifting all ships? And, and I, I, I honestly can't tell you that Giannis has taken it to another level, unlike the rest of his teammates. Whereas, again, this is just a narrative thing. The Rockets clearly suck comparatively to last year. They are not as good of a team as they were last year. I mean, they're they're playing Austin Rivers, and and we're playing Michael Carter Williams for for stretches. Uh, the lack, you know, all this stuff, and what and, and they sucked. And we were, I mean, writing off was probably too aggressive, but man, we were like, I don't think the Rockets are ever getting back to that point. That yeah, the, like it's, I, it's, I, I don't the, think the window had closed, right? And guess yeah, what? No Looks like the window's open again. 60, right? Like no one thought they were going to win sixty again, or right, like but, 50, even like fifty-five after. But, 
the if, you were having a, if you were having a conversation about who the Warriors' number one contender in the Western Conference was, at the beginning of the season, it was the Houston Rockets. And at the quarter yep. mark of the season, it was definitely not the Houston Rockets. And yep. at the halfway point, you could argue it might be the Houston Rockets. Yeah, that's true. That's a really There's good something point. to be said for that. Whereas yeah. the Bucks, we expected them to be good. They're probably a little bit better than we thought. Giannis is a little bit better than he was last year, which means that he has gone from deity to full-on God. Um, like... I don't know. I, I want to give it to Giannis. I really do. Uh, you give me another 10 days, I'm giving it to Giannis because I don't think James Harden's going to keep on this thing. But the last 15 games from Harden are too much for me to ignore. And all of the narrative stuff, I'm getting swept up in it. I, I, I am. I think his game is almost unwatchable. Uh, I, I hate sort of the, uh, the broken down roteness of it all. Uh, I think it's anti-sporting. I, I will go on and on about <laughs> James, Harden, James Harden's style and this you know, hyper ISO get to the foul line 30 times a game nonsense that I think is bad for basketball. Everyone talks about the Warriors ruining the game. I get that. I get that. You know what ruins the game? A bunch of kids watching James Harden, you know, throw his arms out looking to get someone to come across the crumb across his forearms and go to the line. Like that's bad influence in my opinion. But so, so James doesn't Harden mean it, doesn't mean it isn't working. It's fucking James, working. James Harden's last 14 games. 40.3 points, mm. 7.1 rebounds, 9.4 assists. Yeah. Uh, 40% from three on, wait for it, 15 three-point yeah. attempts per game. Yeah. Uh, 88% all, it, from the line on 80 or uh, on 13 attempts a game. Just and I insane. Bet you go, and if I bet you go in on that, like his wide open shot ratio is like 2%. <laughs> Yeah, like all, all of them with two dudes on his job, and uh, and he's still doing it. So if we're looking for sort of the the Yulman's load, right? We want to make this to be like one man, you know, triumphed over all and and won it. I, I think you have to go with James Harden, who is putting the team on his back right now. Sure, I think that that's totally reasonable. I've gone with again. Give me another fifteen games, and I'm I'm out. <laughs> Yeah. Give me another, give me Giannis. Uh, he's averaging 27 yeah. points, 13 rebounds, six assists a game. Uh, he's everything for the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of creating offense right now. Cause like right. Chris Middleton's had a solid year. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it like an outlier great year from him so far. Right. Um, at least in terms of the leap that I was hoping and anticipating that he would take. Right. Uh, he's mostly been the same guy, maybe shooting like slightly worse uh, all over the floor. Uh, but a lot of their, a lot of their scheme stuff has mostly affected the other guys. Like Eric Bledsoe has For sure. been able For sure. to be a lot more effective. Uh, Tony Snell has been that. a lot more effective. Brooke Lopez is obviously having like a Renaissance year because they've just let him loose from three. Uh, like, there's a lot of system stuff that I think affects the other guys, but the system can't work without Giannis. And I think it's worth rewarding the best team in the NBA base. I think they're the best team in the NBA right now in terms of record, right? I think they're 29 and 11. No one else has 11 losses. Um, Toronto's 31 and 12. So like maybe you can say they have two more wins, one less loss, you know, six of one half done a dozen of the other in terms of winning percentage. It's Milwaukee right now. But um for me, like I'm okay with rewarding the team that has been the best throughout the course of the regular season so far. They're on okay. a 60 game uh, winning, you know, winning track. They're on pace to win 60, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and I think Giannis is the reason for that. He's better, like considerably better defensively than James Harden. The production is not all that different. Uh, it, offensively, it's certainly different uh, just in terms of what Harden can bring to the table as a scorer and as a pull-up shooter and as a distributor for others. Giannis is not a slouch as a distributor for others. I think is no. definitely something that is worth saying. Um, Wait a minute. Do you think that? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, just, okay. Okay. That, that's why you thought it was worth saying. 
Syracuse. No, yeah, like he, he's a really, really good distributor. Like I want to make sure that that's said. Um, he's also an incredible defender. His length just covers up so many holes within their scheme. Uh, they play kind of soft coverage and pick and roll. He's able to kind of rotate over from the wing and really just kind of shut stuff down uh, from the weak side pretty regularly. Creates a lot of transition opportunities due to his length. Uh, you know, has turned you, you into a smarter defender. Me. He's a goddamn beast. I mean, no, I know. I, I just want to make sure that like we take time and uh, you know honor the greatness. I think talk about. Of, I think we're gonna have a lot of time to do it because the rest of the yeah. season will most likely be a coordination. Yeah. Um, but shout, shout out Bucks fans for getting angry at me uh, on Twitter for calling Not- out something that the guy who was third on our on my list at least did and said like this is impossible. And they're like, oh, Giannis does this every game, and I'm like, okay, cool, like yeah. whatever, guys. So just because I say one, one, find me one other person who looks and can do what Giannis does. <laughs> yeah, like and Anthony Davis. Honestly, if we were saying like, so I have Anthony Davis at number three. Right? I have him there too. Yeah. Um, the reason that he's number three, I think he's been mostly uh, as productive as Giannis. He's been a defensive player of the year candidate so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could certainly uh, have him within the top three of that list if we wanted to, because yeah, God uh, knows that list is a fucking nightmare. So. The Pelicans defensive rating whenever he is off the floor, mm-hmm. 122.9. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's is that like a real number. It's 113.3 when he is on the floor. So, like, Which look, isn't we're good not, enough itself. We're not talking about a great defense when he's on the floor, but holy, holy shit. shit, does he cover a lot of holes defensively for them? Apparently. Uh, apparently. <laughs> oh my God. That's kind is of an impossible. See, number. It's Fucking kind of Paul, impossible. The Paul Westfelt Nuggets think that that number is high. I know they really do. Um, so Anthony Davis, he's just become such a complete force offensively. He can actually attack off the dribble. Now he pulled like a sham God move in yeah. one of their last three yeah, games. He did. That was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Totally insane. Uh, he's shooting uh, only 32% from three, but his ability to space the floor, he gets respected out there in a way that, you know, maybe his percentages don't really necessarily indicate uh, 50%, uh, 51%. I'm sorry. From the field, uh, 80% from the foul line. He's getting there nine times a game. So it's basically automatic uh, four out of five times, four out of five times. It works every time uh, 13 rebounds a game. You know, is the biggest thing though, that has leapt within Anthony Davis's game this year has been yeah. his playmaking for others. Uh, yeah, no question. He, he's, 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 he's turned into a really impressive passer. I, yeah, I he's, he's turned into it. He's always been that, but he's showing it off. He's always been an average passer. I think. Like, you know, compared to other big men, he was certainly an above average passer. But, you know, right now he has a 19% assist rate. Uh, That's almost double what his assist rate has ever been in a season. Uh, He's just getting so much attention. He's learned how to kind of diagnose defenses and the help that is coming from all different angles and has learned how to figure out to pick out his teammates in a more substantial way. Um, He's leading the NBA in PER at 31.3. So efficiency, you know, he's been off the charts there. Uh, Obviously an incredible defender. So he's number The issue is he hasn't played a lot of minutes. And frankly, the, I mean, it's not his fault, but the Pelicans haven't done a lot of things to help him. It, when he's on the court um right like the, the fact that the pelicans are 20 and 22 right now certainly is like a small dock in his book yeah um by the way that that number um the 122 thing i mean there's literally no player in the nba who plays more than 25 minutes per game who has a defensive rating higher than 119 it's kind of amazing isn't it like the so pelicans basically defense the pelicans turn into the worst 
a team full of the worst players in the NBA on defense when Anthony Davis is not there. And this team it's, has Drew Holiday, so Jesus Christ, what the hell is happening? Yeah, it, it's genuinely like kind of impressive how bad they are defensively when he leaves. And like they all turn numbers, into Colin Sexton and Seti Osman. Those numbers like show up when he's off the floor defensively too. Well, it shows uh, up. Luckily, when he's, it shows up when he's not playing, and the Pelicans get run off the court every game. Right. So, it's fine though. I totally picked them to finish second in the Western Conference, and I don't regret that pick at all. So I think that once you get past three, it gets really complicated. I have yeah, like basically six guys. Uh, that you could have any which way in this well, MVP who, race. Who, who's your number four? Let's go. Let's go rapid fire here. Number four, and then your explanation. So I have Kawhi at number four. Okay, uh, why Kawhi? Because I have Paul George. I want to hear Kawhi over Paul George here. So I think Kawhi has is just generally a much more impressive offensive force. It's funny that I'm going to argue uh, offense for Kawhi instead right. of defense. Uh, his That's defense strange. has. His defense has been really good this year. Uh, 107.8 rating. I know that's not entirely his fault, but uh, and he's still an incredible on-ball defender, but the, the metrics don't necessarily back it up. Right. They're actually a little bit worse defensively with him on the floor than when they're right. off the, than when he's off the floor this year. Right. Um, you know, in, in terms of like what that exactly means, in my opinion, uh, I do think that he kind of has taken just some small like moments off, right? To just kind of sit back and, you know, be, but the offensive hub that Kawhi has been this year has just been absolutely remarkable. Uh, 50% from the field, 37% from three, 85% from the line. Uh, Those numbers kind of underlie what has just been an unbelievably impressive player. Uh, You can just throw him the ball basically anywhere on the floor. And because his release point is so high, he's going to be able to shoot over that person just with ease his passing i know that like his numbers he only has like three assists a game right now which isn't even a career high just for me i think his passing has been more impressive i think he has played uh much much better uh within the construct of the toronto offense than you know not even that he was bad within san antonio uh within the construct of their offense but you know he's just looking to pass more i bet i would bet i don't have the numbers in front of me but i would bet that his hockey assists are up right now because it's he's just moving the ball in a more substantial way they're initiating uh some more sets with him as like the secondary guy the guy who gets the ball uh, after the point guard brings the ball down the floor and kyle lowry um and they're kind of running like the primary action off of the set with him sometimes that doesn't necessarily lead to him getting the assist but it's often him creating a play and then passing off Uh, i think that that part of his game has been really really impressive this year and plus like look he's Kawhi. he's still certainly uh Maybe not one of the five best defenders in the NBA this year. Probably one of the 15 best defenders in the NBA. Yeah, no question. You and he's averaging 27 a game while doing all of that. He, uh, and by the way, he's doing it on a team that is the second best team in the NBA. Right. He's got a 30% usage rate and a 7.5% turnover ratio. That, that, lends, that lends itself pretty pretty well to your argument of that. By the way, Anthony Davis has a 6.7 turnover ratio on 28% usage because he's a preposterous person. I have Paul George. Uh, argument is mostly defensive. Uh, he is, uh, yeah. I, you know, not to be a spoiler here, but he's my defensive player of the year to this point. Uh, sub 100 defensive rating. We all know what he can do on ball. And with Russell Westbrook really not being good this year, at least by Russell Westbrook standards, uh, Paul George's ability to uh, to affect the game so positively on both ends of the court uh, ha- has just been really good for a really good Thunder team that I-, I think will get actually a little bit better here down the stretch. Uh, he looks comfortable now, and well, comfortable comfortable Paul George is a is a bona fide MVP candidate. Number five, I have Joel Embiid. 
Uh, where, where does he fall for you? So I, I had Paul George at eight and I had Joel Ooh. at nine. Ooh. Um, and but like, again, like this is why I was saying like these six guys here, they're all so close. So like, let me read off the other four. Yeah. So I've got Stephen Curry. I've got Kevin Durant. I've got mm-hmm. LeBron. So yeah, everyone within this range is just so crazy close in my opinion right. that like if you have those no, yeah, if you have fair. those guys listed any like which way I would totally understand it. I would not and, even and right, begin and, to say anything. And right now I think the classes are pretty clear. It's Harden and Giannis are the only guys who should be getting first place votes. I think Davis and Paul George are kind of on their own little island where they're not really even in that number one conversation, but they are separate from the rest of the class in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then uh, listing off the rest of the guys, I got Embiid five, LeBron or I'm sorry, Curry six. LeBron seven, Jokic eight, Kawhi nine. I probably should have had a tenth in there, but I didn't write him down. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll give you my list. I've got Stephen Curry at five, Kevin Durant six, LeBron seven, Paul George eight, Joel Embiid nine, Jokic ten. And I have Damian Lillard as like the 11th guy right here. Um, And then if I did 12, I would have Kyrie at 12. Um, Some part of us put Monas Sabonis in there, but he's only playing 25 minutes a game. Monas is a stud, but we're we're not going to go crazy here and put him up for MVP. Um, Not even number I want to talk about Stephen Curry real quick. Okay, Uh, let's do it. So the Warriors lost six of the games that he missed. I believe he missed 10, correct? Yes. You you cover them? Nine? Yeah, he, he missed 11 games. 11, sure. So um, they lose six games out of that stretch. That's obviously very non-Warriors-y. Uh, the entire I think team that, fell apart when he, when he yes. left. That's when, <laughs> that's when Draymond and, and Kevin got into their thing. And, and frankly, they haven't been able to get back to a point. Last year, Curry goes down and the Warriors go on like a 10-1 run, right? right. Uh, it, the first time he went down. And they were fine. And it kind of hurt any argument for MVP. But what Steph was able to do at the beginning of the season, they started off 10-1 and this year. He was unquestionably the MVP of the first 10 games of the season. Uh, And then he goes away, and the Warriors sort of devolve into a a state of insanity that I I don't think they fully pulled themselves out of yet. So um, his numbers will will stand up against anything. Uh, Can I I read some of those numbers? He has a better better net rating than Giannis. Uh, Stephen Curry right now, 48% from the field, 44% from three, 91% from the foul line, 29 a game. Uh, his true shooting percentage, 65.2. Breaking it. Yeah, that, that's just like breaking basketball in a lot of ways. He has, an effect, he has an effective field goal percentage of 61%. It's insane what he is doing Giannis, right Giannis has um, an effective field goal percentage of 59, and he dunks it two-thirds of the time, it seems. Well, Dieter, you know what Stephen Curry doesn't need? No. He does not need simple contacts, I would imagine, because oh, that's a sharpshooter. Is, oh, he? is he? Is he? Man, is he just I think like, I see him wear glasses, but I'm not sure if that was a fashion statement. That's a good question. I mean, he shoots like he doesn't need contacts. So that's for sure. Let's just give him the breakdown on simple contacts in case as he gets older and needs to get that vision back so he can keep knocking down jump shots. Absolutely. Uh, Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care for the 21st century. 
Why would you use Simple Contacts? It's convenient, fast, reliable. It offers choice. It's a five-star experience. Uh, and look, it saves you money. The vision test is only $20. I mean, Stephen Curry, he lives a very economical life despite the fact that he has a $200 million contract. He, he needs that $20 vision test. Uh, he needs contact lens prices that are unbeatable. Standard yeah. shipping is free. He needs that. And best of all, we're offering a promotion to our listeners. Uh, Stephen Curry wanted to use Simple Contacts. He should go to simplecontacts.com slash game theory 20. That's G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y-2-0. Uh, you're going to get $20 off your first order of contacts at simplecontacts.com slash game theory 20 or enter that code game theory 20 at checkout. This isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. No, sir. Uh, we they only test that your periodic uh, prescription still uh, helps you see 2020 and they renew that prescription. So you should still be going to the doctor. You should still be doing everything that it takes to make sure that you don't have glaucoma, that you don't have any of the many diseases that affect the eyes. It's but crazy stuff, man. We've learned about that first hold in the curtain or first hand in the curtain box household. Do not mess around with your eyes. Make sure you go to the eye doctor. Do not mess with the eyes at all. Go to simplecontacts.com uh, and type in that promo code Game Theory Twenty if you just need contacts, though. Yeah, uh, you, already got that. you already got that prescription locked in, baby. The second sponsor is Hims. Sixty-six percent of men lose their hair by the age of thirty-five. Do you know what that sixty-six percent number matches up with? Stephen Curry's true shooting percentage. You're goddamn right it does. You are goddamn right. That's the, the first thing, time I've ever gotten one right. The thing is, though, that when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. If that hairline is slowly starting to move backward, if you have any bald spots, how are you going to feel a year from now when you look up at your hair and it's not business as usual up there? Uh, I've got a solution for you. It's forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Uh, look, they connect you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions. Hims uses well-known generic equivalents name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Uh, there's no waiting room. There's no awkward doctor visits. You save hours by going to 4 It is so easy. You just answer a few quick questions. The doctor reviews and they'll prescribe what you need. Uh, if you order now, my listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash game theory. 4 dot com slash game theory f-o-r-h-i-m-s dot com slash game theory uh, and you're gonna get that trial month of hymns for just five dollars today so Dieter now we'll get back into it yeah it's just crazy like you look at the on off numbers they aren't as drastic right as they've been they right. aren't as like insane as they've been like well, a recently. lot of that, can, it's lot only, of that can be attributed to the warriors generally not giving a shit on defense for an entire season well that and the fact that their offense without him is actually a little bit better than what it's been in the past like right. his offensive rating whenever he's on the floor that team is still at like a 121 level which is just bananas he has a um, 116 offensive rating on his own which is what james harden has been doing for the last Thing. By the way, Kevin Durant has also a 116 offensive rating on his own. Yeah, Kevin Durant, like I said, like Kevin Durant, I have it number six right now. And Kevin Durant has been unbelievable. I think that like we shouldn't underrate what Kevin Durant has done this year based off of all of the craziness that happened with Draymond Green. Kevin Durant yeah. averaging 28 points, seven rebounds, six assists a night on 50, 36 from the field and 91 from the earth. 
36 from three and 91 from the line. He is unbelievable as well. But it's I, pretty stupefying, yeah. Yeah, you know, if I'm picking the MVP of the Golden State Warriors this season, mm-hmm. I think that their play without Stephen Curry kind of bears out that he is the most valuable player on their team. To be fair, they have not had to play without Kevin Durant this season. So it, it, we're not exactly... It's proving uh, a negative, I guess, yeah. Right, um, but I, I, I would agree with you. Let's also take into account the narrative factor of that, which is that the Warriors, as they have risen to prominence did so under sort of the Stephen Curry style of basketball. And the Warriors have had problems this year and, and last year to a certain degree, uh, assimilating Kevin Durant into that style, that freewheeling, egalitarian, five guys moving, Steph pulling up from 35 feet, um, super spread, super switchy, all this stuff style. Whereas Kevin is a, is a much more iso ISO is probably a heavy way to do it, but he wants the ball on the block and everyone get the fuck out of the way. Um, so it doesn't necessarily lend itself to the vision of the Warriors that most people have created. And it certainly yeah. doesn't spark as much joy. I was thinking about this at the Warriors-Knicks game because it was a completely joyless affair the other night. And <laughs> you know, Durant was, going, Durant was having a pretty damn solid game. And it, it, it just seemed um, business-like. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's almost expected. Yes, Kevin Durant shot. No one can block his shot. He can do whatever he wants. It's, it's it always almost, ruthless. It's ruthless. It's cold-blooded. It feels like the older kids beating up on the li- smaller kids. And um, by the way, I'm, like if you if you ever go down to UCLA's gym and like see him play like five on five against other NBA players, like in a pickup setting, motherfucker. It he's is a legit, bad motherfucker. Yeah, it is genuinely like watching the bigger kid who can just shoot over like yeah. everyone at all times. I, I, wa- I watched him and Steve Nash work out for about fifteen to twenty minutes today. And uh, they were working on some low post moves. And obviously Nash doesn't know a lot about that, but it, it was interesting to see how Steve was trying to, you know, get more guard stuff into what is so, more or less the modern big man game for Kevin Durant. Right. He does so much of his work with his back to the basket. And um, it was really fascinating. But then I just thought to myself, like Kevin does get guys who are you know, obviously a little bit taller than, than Steve Nash, but guys who are a lot smaller switched onto him with his back to him on the post stuff that Shaq could have only dreamed of getting, you know, 10 years ago. And there is 0.0% chance that that guy is ever going to block his shot. And that is, yeah. it's just mean. It's, it's, it's almost mean spirited, like in pickup, it's ruthless. they would keep, they would keep, if you kept doing that in pickup, people would get pissed at you. Because it, yeah. it's kind of losing it. It's the same thing if you did the same shit that James Harden didn't pick up. You would never get invited back to a game. Whereas Steph Curry, for whatever reason, he still has a 30% usage rate, just like Kevin Durant. But it just feels different because it's the little guy getting one over through these means by which we've never seen before. And, um, and, and so I, I do think that it, you know, when Steph Curry does well, obviously some people don't want to, you know, don't like anything what's going on with the Warriors and it's hard to blame them. But like when Steph Curry does well, it feels better. And when Kevin Durant does really well, it just seems like business as usual. Um, so it's hard to really celebrate Kevin Durant's accomplishments for multiples of reasons. Whereas Steph Curry, it's really easy to celebrate that stuff. And it feels bigger than it is where frankly, they're probably, they're having very similar seasons, all things considered. Yeah. So let's go to all NBA. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk about MB during all NBA, because I okay. think that his conversation is pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So we've talked... <laughs> We've talked pretty extensively about all the guys that I would have on my first team. I, I would okay. go Harden, Curry, Giannis, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis. Um, One more time for that. Harden, Harden. James Harden, Stephen Curry, okay. Giannis, Giannis, Kawhi, Kawhi, and, okay. 
Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. So I have Paul George on my first team over Kawhi, which I think anyone yep. could have presumed. We've talked about both of those guys. My second team is Embiid, LeBron, Kawhi, Kemba, and Kyrie. Um, the guard. So, so for my for mine, yeah. it's uh, Damian Lillard, Kyrie, okay. LeBron, Durant, okay. and Joel Embiid. Okay. So let's talk a bit about Embiid because I do feel like he deserves to be on the All NBA first team, um, but it just doesn't fit this year right I, I i mean honestly i think Embiid's having a better i think he's probably more deserving than curry but such is the the situation to whatever degree um Embiid's having a monster year and he stayed healthy uh this is a guy who has a one one nine 109 offensive rating he's a six net player uh he's getting the 31 usage uh pull up the stats here we, we know what joel Embiid can do we know what he is on the defensive end so he's a true two-way star so, so let me, let me, I have numbers here in terms of uh, what happens when Joel Embiid leaves the floor yes. for the 76ers. Right. So they're a 118 offense with him, a 110.7 defense or offense okay. without him. Okay. Uh, so 110.7 offense without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a 110.4 defense with him, a 115.3 right. defense without him. He is a plus 12 overall net difference in terms of his team's performance without him versus with him. I mean, he's up about four points per game. Um, He's doing most of the same things. Now, some of that can be attributed to he's taking a couple more shots per game. Uh, Most of his numbers in terms of ratio are relatively flat, but he's up in points. He's up in rebounds. Um, He's he's pretty much on the same with blocks and steals. I mean, again, he's a two-way star. We know what he is. He plays for a good team that has been subject to some chaos this year, and he has been more or less the one constant on it. Um, As much as we are now kind of selling Ben Simmons stock, which is, of course, premature and rather stupid, but as much as that is happening – this general... podcast is not selling. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not very even, clear uh, about that. No, even though I did say that motherfucker needs to shoot something, if nothing else, just to take the eyes away from the hoop for a second. Um, nevertheless, like as much as that is the narrative now, right? And, and, and so yeah. much of the NBA revolves around the narrative, and it's a very stupidly creative narrative. Nine times out of ten, let's establish that it comes through NBA Twitter and all this stuff, and it's not very well thought out, and it's certainly not very analytical. Nevertheless. It's shit on Ben season Simmons or shit on Ben Simmons season. Uh, the Jimmy Butler trade has not been the fix all that no one expected it to be. You have the Markel Fultz situation. You have a team that is frankly, it was already weaker than it was the year before. And then it got weaker again. You can argue at least depth wise um, with the Jimmy Butler thing. Joel Embiid has been the one constant. He is the one thing that has kept this team from, I would argue, I mean, maybe J.J. Redick to a certain degree because he's a steady head in the locker room, but Joel Embiid, reliable, night in, night out. He's giving you 33 minutes per game, 26 points per game, 13 rebounds per game. Those are monster numbers. He is a monster on the defensive end, and he's not really in that number one or even number two tier yet, but he needs to absolutely be at the top around that LeBron and Curry and Jokic uh, conversation. Because he's he's been a beast. So Joel Embiid, uh, per thirty six minutes, twenty eight point eight points, fourteen point four rebounds. Stephen Curry per thirty six is only averaging twenty nine point yeah. nine points. So like in terms of pure offensive production, Joel Embiid is yeah on a permanent basis doing exceedingly well. He's doing it on about a sixty percent true shooting percentage. So it's not even like it's uh, you know he's handling all this offensive usage and he shouldn't be handling it. His usage is down year over year. 
Right. I mean, he's it's yeah. down a percentage point. And he's still just dominating. It, it, he is an unbelievable offensive player. Uh, you know, his defense kind of goes underrated a lot of the time. He, well, he, it's he, not as good as it was last year. At least the metrics don't bear it out. But he is still true. that level rim, rim, rim protector. And a lot of that has to do with his teammates, I honestly think. I think that he's probably taken a half step back. The rest of his team has taken two or three. Yeah, like he's been, I think he's a really, really good. We don't need to like yeah, jump no, in. No, and, no, like, no one's, no one's going to say anything to the contrary on that. He is an right. elite defender in the NBA. Right. Like you can maybe like, you know, parse with, you know, the fact that he doesn't move all that well uh, on the yeah. perimeter, but it doesn't, you know, when you're so good as a rim protector and you're insulated <laughs> within the scheme because you have so many good help defenders around most of right. the time right now, they, the biggest problem with their defense right now is they don't have the guys other than Ben and Jimmy defensively to kind of pick up the slack. Yeah. They are that, really that'll come at that some end. point. I think we'll see. Um, the third, so Kyrie, I want to talk about. You've Kyrie on the yeah. third team, right? Yeah, Kyrie's so, having a, Kyrie's having a big year. It just doesn't feel like it, does it? So I think the part of that is because Kyrie, you know, started the season so poorly. We talked mm-hmm. about how we thought he was over, like out of shape a little bit uh, coming into the year. Not a little but, bit. I, I think I just levied that straight up. He looked fat. Yeah, like I, I definitely agree with you. Like I thought he was out of shape to begin the year. Yeah. Um, you look at what he's done recently. It has just been unreal uh before that little or before like the last five games where he's taken like a small little dip uh because he had like a couple games that he missed and you know he only played 28 minutes and 27 minutes and stuff like that like he he he, uh forget did he he had like a little minor injury that i can't yeah he had a thing that missed some games but like um but like you go in the 15 games before that right 26 points a night seven assists five rebounds, only three turnovers, which is crazy for a guy who takes up as much usage as he does within that offense. Mm -hmm. 50 field goal percentage, 47 three-point percentage, 90 uh, free throw percentage. Insane offensive production. He basically carried the Boston Celtics back to the point where they are now 25 and 15. Yeah, we're Uh, we're, we're not talking about the Celtics being in this state of disarray like we were early in the year because Kyrie has taken on more and he's doing more. And um, maybe those other problems still exist. In fact, I would argue that they do. But Kyrie's covering up those holes. And, and that's that's a big deal because that was a big goddamn conversation. Uh, everything, you know, that was happening there. I, uh, yeah, yeah, he's having, he's having a beast of the year. It's also just, it doesn't feel like a great year for guards. Just throwing that you out know, there. it's... Hold on, one one more thing on Kyrie. Yeah, uh, yeah. 34.4 assist rate this year is the second highest of his career outside of his rookie season. Uh, wow. Very, very impressive. Uh, 11.7 turnover rate, which again, when you have a 30% usage rate, it's just insane. Um, let's talk about those guards because I think the third team is where you get super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Paul George on my third team. Who was your fifth forward? My fifth forward? Um, Durant. Yeah, so like the five forwards, I think are pretty clear: Giannis, my, Kawhi, LeBron, Durant, is? and George. I actually think the sixth is pretty clear too. Who's um, your sixth? It's Blake Griffin. Yeah, I had Blake Griffin written down, but you know what? I'm going with Sabonis. You're off your fucking rocker. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm not. You know why? Because Blake Griffin can't play defense. I mean, like Demonis isn't a great defender here either. He's like, a be- he's a better <laughs> defender, and that's all that matters. Like 
Blake, Blake Griffin is averaging 25 points, eight rebounds, and five assists a night. Uh, Damata Sabonis is like, you know, and look, bench isn't everything. He's averaging like 15, 10, and three. I mean... Yeah, you're right. It's Blake. But I wanted to say it's Sabonis because Sabonis <laughs> is having a beast of a year, and I wanted to reward it. We're going to talk about Damatis a little, don't, little don't, bit here. I wanted, I wanted to reward it on a level more than just sixth man of the year. That's, that's all I'm saying. That. That's fair. Come on. Blake, Come on. Blake has been live. unbelievable. Blake has been unbelievable this year. Uh, that Detroit team has been like kind of a dumpster fire at different times. Not a dumpster fire in terms of their record. I mean, they're 17 just, and 22. Uh, they're, so like, un, they're so unimportant. That's really the real kicker they just don't they, ugh, they're like the baltimore orioles of basketball like even when they're doing well they don't feel important it well it, it's just tough because he's doing all of this in a scheme that doesn't really fit what his skill set is uh andre drummond is there taking up space in the yeah. middle doesn't really have a point guard to throw lobs doesn't really have a point guard uh on that roster to really help him you know get easy efficient offense he's create sure. most of what he does and he's still averaging 25 8 and 5 on a 48% field goal percentage, 36% from three, and 75% from the line. Uh, what he has done this year is actually just genuinely incredible. Is it really incredible? I mean, has he has he taken it to... I mean, it, it's impressive, don't get me wrong, that he has adapted his game and has <clears> been <throat> hyper-pragmatist and just, okay, here are the spots that are going to be available to me. They're not my favorite spots. They're not spots I've worked at before, but I'm going to make the most of them. That's impressive. Blake, Blake Griffin is taking... He's taking six threes a game right now. Yeah. Like that's the the growth and progression in Blake's game over the years has just been so incredible to me. Um, he he is an absolutely unbelievable force in my opinion. Yeah. Like he, Blake Griffin, I think is <clears throat> Blake Griffin. I think is in my opinion the pick for most underrated player in the NBA. Uh, mm. I, Who else we, is in that conversation? I mean, we do not Sabonis. Sabonis, honestly, Sabonis would be in there if we if we want to give Sabonis some love. Uh, Vukovic. I am comfortable with that. Vucevic is in there for sure. Uh, I don't think enough people know about Pascal Siakam yet. Um, no, you're right about that. Though that I feel like that's changing rapidly and is, it is. Uh, about to get real annoying. Um, Tobias Harris is probably up there. Tobias, Tobias Harris, is, really Harris is up at the guy that Blake Griffin was traded for. I think Clint Capella is still up there. Um, yeah, and like Gallinari's having a great year as well. Like, I'd yeah, that's, that's kind of new. That's kind of newfangled. I mean, John Collins is in that conversation for me. John Collins is really in that conversation. Um, um, but Mike he hasn't Conley reached the level to a certain degrees in that conversation. For sure. And Mike Conley was my seventh guy in terms of the guards that How about just this? ended up falling off. How about this? Where does Derek, Fa does Derek Favors fall into that camp for you? Probably. I think that he's underrated just by nature of his role. I feel um, like he, I feel like he's properly rated. I don't think yeah. Derek Favors has never done anything for me. And every year I end up with him in a fantasy basketball team and I'm just so unnamed. Well, with, let's talk about Blake real quick because okay. I think the reason basketball that, team. and not your fantasy basketball team. The reason that I think Blake is underrated and still doesn't get the attention that <clears throat> he deserves is because of the injuries right. first and foremost. I mean, Blake Griffin hasn't made I an all-star game since 2015. I think it's also because he, yeah, he hadn't made an all-star team because the people viewed it as Chris Paul's team and that they didn't see eye to eye. There was not a great chemistry there uh, outside of some decent on court stuff. Uh, they never really even seemed to play together all that much. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan's still there. I think also then you add in the fact that the Clippers were so eager to get rid of him. They gave him the big deal, which everyone felt was too much money because it's Blake Griffin, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
And then they, they sh- you know, sh- basically shipped him out for, at the time, nothing. I mean, Tobias Harris is a really good player, but they'll have to make a decision on that now this offseason. I-, I think that maybe the fact that no one really had love for him, none of his employers seem to have love for him, plays into that a little bit. So, like, if Blake Griffin is still there on the Los the Angeles Clips, yeah. Clippers, and they have one max cap spot instead of two. Like, okay. um, this is a hypothetical that like kind of doesn't work because he's making a little bit more than what they'd be able to. Like, Let's presume it does in terms of the max. Um, do you think it's more useful for them to have Blake in place or hmm. be able to sell two max cap spaces to someone else or like to two other players to come join forces? I think that's kind of where I'm getting at with why Blake isn't as loved because he's not, he is not the obvious first choice. He is not somebody that you pine over at the same time. He's clearly of that caliber to where he's a max player and that should be a track. He he just, he's kind of stuck in no man's land. Um, To to me, like he's like a, for sure hall of famer i think yeah there's a lot of for sure hall of famers in the current nba the nba the basketball hall of fame has a very low bar sure but like i feel like if you would ask the normal like fan they probably would say why is blake Griffin like, a hall like of dwight famer? howard is a sure hall of Famer. well dwight howard should be a surefire hall of famer he finished second is, in an mvp who, race and like was like a what like a seven or eight time all nba player like that's yeah. that's a Dwight Howard's like one of the hundred best players ever. Even if we're talking like MLB Hall of Fame standards, Dwight Howard probably gets in. Well, Harold Baines got in, so that standard doesn't really apply anymore. And I'm a White Sox fan. I'm saying that. Like who is who is real fast off the top of your head, who is the best player in the NBA currently who's gotten a little veteran who isn't Hall of Fame worthy? Oh wow. Like is is Dame Lillard gonna go to the Hall of Fame? I think he does, yeah. Okay. Maybe like CJ McCollum is probably up there. Jesus Christ, that's DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan's up. DeRozan might be the pick. DeRozan is like DeRozan maybe or Lowry maybe, is right. Yeah, there. I was going to say Kyle Lowry's up there. What about Kemba? Um, Kemba is up there. Kemba, honestly, Kemba's probably the answer. Okay. Because he's like okay. at his peak right now, should be like a one or two time all NBA player. Right. Um, yeah, it's probably Kemba right now. Kemba's, I, I, Kemba I, I, is on my third team. What about LaMarcus Aldridge? I think, I think LaMarcus Aldridge might make in. the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think he's probably going to get in. Um, <laughs> Just wanted to make a point there. Like, Derrick Rose is going to make the Hall of Fame. I don't feel good about it, but that's happening. Uh, I don't know if he will. Um, that's going to happen. It's going to be close. Mark um, it down. Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba has tailed off a little bit since the start of the year. The Hornets have tailed well, off Jesus a little Christ, bit I since mean, the start it, of the year. Yeah, who, who expected him to keep up on that torrid pace? I mean, he was the he was right. number three in MVP voting after a couple weeks. Yeah, after the first month, I would say he was like the number three guy in MVP. He was a maybe full-on god. Two. Yeah. Um, He's now shooting like 44% from the field, 36% from three. Uh, He's averaging 25 points a night, six assists a night. To me, he's like very clearly the number five guard. He's very, very good. Damian Lillard as well. I want to bring up Damian Lillard uh, is just awesome right now. Yeah. Uh, Just everything that you could ask for from a uh, franchise player, team leader, you know, 26 points, six assists, four and a half rebounds. Uh, Just such an incredible offensive player he's like i don't mean this derogatorily he is like kind of knockoff like james harden he, it's like no, james that's harden fair. that's fair it's james harden and steph curry had a, a baby and he's the weird mix of their games well, well it, it's just the three-point percentage right the inability no. to hit like those ridiculous pull-ups at well now i really 40 percent making that comment because that was, now, <laughs> now it sounds weird 
yeah, well, no, I totally it, agree with the yeah, step backs just, and all that and the ability to yeah. create offense off of nothing. And yeah, there's a little bit of force to his game. That maybe and just like the, lacks. the slightly worse vision. Like it, yeah. it's just like that small step below, but he has the incredible ability to get separation. He finishes inside. He, he really does a lot of different things that make him incredibly valuable. Uh, he's on my second team. I am as the number four guard in the yeah. NBA right now. Um, it, he's, <laughs> he's just very, very good. I want to talk about somebody who's on my third team, and I feel really bad about him being on my third team because, frankly, I think you can make the argument he should be on a first team. Um, yeah. And that's Nick Jokic. Uh, the, the Joker, his numbers are not, you know, soaring compared to where they were at last year. His assist numbers are up a little bit. His points are up a little bit. Um, but the Denver Nuggets – on the whole, are way up, man. I mean, they're competing for the number one overall seed here. Uh, they look at this juncture to be a real-time contender, uh, and that is certainly not something that we thought of. Now, obviously, you know, uh, Mike Malone has a lot to do with that, and there's a lot of positivity yeah. to be gleaned from that. They have a deeper roster, all this stuff, getting Paul Millsap, and all. Uh, there's a lot of good things that are happening there. It's not just Nick Jokic putting it on the back, but uh, this guy's still one of the best in the NBA, and he's still the fulcrum of the Denver offensive system. And I, I think his defense has gotten just see, a, just a notch better. See, to me, that's the big leap for Jokic is the defense. Like, I think he has gotten quite a bit better defensively. Okay. Um, They're doing some interesting stuff with him. I mean, they, they, and it's clear that that was the number one priority of the Denver Nuggets going into this season, which is how do we make it so that we can keep Jokic on the floor for 33 minutes per day on 40 minutes a game. Uh, and he doesn't totally kill us on the defensive end. What can we do to, you know, insulate him a little bit? And I think it's working out really well. Yeah. So like, like I said, like I'd have him at number 10 in MVP right now. Um, and I have him on my third team. So they, like that is yeah. a little bit incongruous. Um, right. 19.2 points, 10.1 rebounds. That's basically in line with what last year was. 7.5 assists. That's a bit of a jump from what yeah, last year was. About an assist and a half, yeah. Uh, uh, for me, though, the defense is where he has taken the leap. They can like have him slide out onto players for two or three slides uh, onto mm -hmm. guards, and mm -hmm. then he'll recover back. Sometimes they do just like straight switch occasionally. They'll play different coverages. They'll play soft coverages, and he's just so smart that he's able to kind of get by in a way defensively there that uh, they haven't really been capable of in the past they're still in the top 10 in defensive rating this year uh things have fallen off a little bit over the last month or so for them on defense they were in the top three or four for uh what i would say is a lion's share of the season so far uh but the, the last like little while they've struggled uh, is they've dealt with injuries. They've dealt with guys like in and out of the lineup. Uh, it's just been a little bit harder for them to get that continuity defensively. Um, I've just been generally such a fan of what he's done and continue to be such a fan of what he does. For me, though, the difference between he and Joel Embiid is that Joel is a legit like defensive game changing oh, no yeah. guy. Yeah. And then he just takes on a. You know, like Nikola Jokic's like usage rate and all of this stuff is never going to say like what his overall offensive impact is. Right. But there is something to just being able to go and get a bucket in a way that I trust Joel Embiid to do more than Nikola Oh, I, Jokic. yeah. No question. No question on that. I, I don't and that's not to say Jokic is bad. It's just like. Certainly no one's you know, saying that. 
I, I would just, I, I don't want to put as much value when you're, when you're doing the overall handicapping, I don't want to put as much value on a dude being able to just score than a sure. guy who fits the system and makes things happen. I, I prefer guys who make things happen over guys who just take over and kind of, you know, do the solo act thing. And that's not sure. to say Joel is just doing the solo act. That is what's asked of him. Blah, well, blah, you know blah. what? But like Jokic makes stuff happen. He brings some joy and I like that. Well, you can't make the argument that Embiid is a bigger part of Philly's offense exactly. than Jokic is of Denver's offense. And that's, and that's just not going to be – you're going to have to get real yeah. deep into the numbers to find something to match up with that. But watching the game, it's clearly obvious that that's the case. Yeah, he's he's the hub. Like I said, he'd be in the top 10 of MVP for me right now. Um, yeah. Just, you know, slightly lower. Uh, and then I have Kyle Lowry at number – is my sixth guard. Wow, uh, he's okay. Just, been awesome as a distributor this year he's been yeah, no, uh, a little no bit question. better defensively than he's been in the last couple of years uh just he, he's been the he's been the maestro of a team that is like we've talked about one of the two best teams in the nba right now yeah i mean he just the just some of the peripheral numbers really don't do it for me if i'm being totally honest i mean yeah i get great, that like he's great, averaging great like off- 14 a game yeah great offensive numbers so he has a 116 Rating. So that's in line with Curry and Durant and, and Harden, who's even a little bit lower than that. So they're great stuff. But I mean, uh, 12.5 uh, PIE, it just doesn't, you know, some of the numbers just don't get there. But, you, you know, right, if you're taking into account maybe some of the non-numbers, uh, it's huge. I, I have Ben Simmons on there because he is putting up some big numbers. And while there are a lot of deficiencies in Ben Simmons' game, um, he's still quite the dude. And uh, yeah. And if you, if we're qualifying him as a guard now because he is handling the vast majority, if not all, of the point guard responsibilities for the 76ers when he's on the court, um, that, that still matters to me. Right now he's at 16.4 points per game, uh, nine rebounds, eight assists, uh, 1.3 steals. We know what he can do on the defensive end. He's doing all of this without a jump shot at all. Not just not a viable jump shot, just any jump shot. Um, everyone knows what's coming. And uh, he's still he's still getting it done. Uh, so Ben Simmons made it, though. I, I, I like I like that Kyle Lowry pick that that makes me uh, that makes me think if I want to rethink it. But that's going to that's going to be a deep dive right now. I'm going with Simmons. Well, let's run through uh, defensive player of the year. We talked about that a little bit uh, yeah. throughout this. I've got Paul George number one like you do. We've talked Same. about the way that he is. Uh, been remarkable on that side of the floor this year. He's probably right. the be- he's the best perimeter defender for sure in the NBA right now this season no at least. Uh, I have Rudy Gobert number two. Uh, yeah, the Rudy's numbers on- aren't quite as good as what they've been in the past, but right. I mean, you, you just watch him and he is such a deterrent to everything that teams want to do. It's crazy. That said, I, I, I've been saying this time and time again, when you play towards Gobert, he is going to affect everything, but you can take him out of the game with a specialized game plan. Now in the NBA, 82 game schedule, all the travel teams are not going to specialize a game plan for one game against the Utah Jazz. They're just trying to get out of there alive or they're just trying to get onto the next game. It's the regular season. But I, I once you see it happen in the playoffs, where he, he stays back in the paint, he hangs out in the paint, and teams just work in the mid-range because he doesn't know whether to stay or to go. Um, it's very hard for me to do it. So when all the numbers are down, I mean, his on-off numbers are, are not really all that impressive, if I'm being totally honest, on the defensive end. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, a guy who should be getting a little bit of love for this, um, because Paul George is both of our number ones, 
I think Steven Adams deserves yep. some love in that too, because a lot of what Paul George is able to do is because he has Steven Adams behind yeah. him. He'd be uh, in my top 10 somewhere. I, I think, say, I yeah. think I'd probably stick him at number five. Um, I have Jaron Jackson in on this. It's a stupid pick. I, I know, but I think Jaron Jackson <laughs> has been totally awesome. Um, on the defensive end this year. Uh, he has the same on-offs as, as Paul George on, in terms of defense. Uh, he, he is a sub-100 uh, defensive rating guy. Uh, he is long. He is fun. He can get out on the perimeter. It is not there yet. But if nothing else, I want to have you know Jaron Jackson on this list because it's chaos right now. I think that there's going to be a lot more clarity here, probably in the final third of the season as opposed to the final half. But right yeah. now, it's just mostly I have Jaron Jackson on here because I want everyone to pay attention to this. This kid is going to win this award in the next two or three years. And then uh, yeah. it's, it, it's going to be on lock, or at least he's going to be in the in the high end of that conversation for another 10 after that. Uh, he is he is something special on that end. My final point here is Draymond Green has an on-off difference of, of 8.1, which, of course, is not to where, like, Anthony Davis is and stuff like that. But the Warriors have played That's crap. up there, though. It's up there. The Warriors have played crap defense all year, essentially on purpose, because they're not trying. Um that said, when Draymond is out there, he affects things in such a positive manner. He orchestrates it, and he has been playing a lot of center this year. Uh, I know that most people don't view that as out of position, but that was usually a break, a break in case of emergency situation. He's playing 20-plus yeah. minutes per game at center because the Warriors don't see any centers on their lineup. Kevon Looney's the starting center. They see him as a power forward. So Draymond is playing backup center minutes because there is no backup center anymore because uh, they don't trust Jordan Bell. Draymond has been... Uh, I'll be honest, not even close to where he could be defensively. I don't think he's back in shape from his last injury. Um, I don't know if maybe the necessity for him to be as impactful as he has been, even though it's not his high end of impact, is going to be there once Boogie comes back. But I ultimately think that Draymond Green ends up winning this award because the Warriors are going to have to get their defensive act together at some point. Uh, They're going to have to prove it. I think they're 18th right now in overall defensive rating. That's certainly way too low for a team with that kind of talent. Uh, Even if they are taking several possessions in a row off, I don't know, every five minutes. Uh, I think Draymond is, you know, if the Warriors turn their defense around, Draymond is going to be the catalyst of it. There's no two ways about it. And I think those on-off numbers probably get a little bit bigger and we'll start to see that that, that Draymond's still the best defender in the NBA. Um, So, yeah, I I maintain that. I had Draymond at three. Uh, I had Robert Covington at four. Uh, Robert okay. Covington would have been my pick at like the quarter. Yeah, maybe yeah, not the I quarter mark, maybe like the one third mark. He would have been mark. up there. He would have been up um, there. Yeah. It's just been very, very tight with all these guys. Uh, Robert Covington has been very, very good defensively, very, very good help defender. Miles Turner would be up there. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned that a little number, bit earlier. Talk to me yeah. about Miles Turner. His rim protection numbers are insane this year, even beyond the blocks. Like he is just a genuine deterrent in there. I think teams shoot something like 7% worse uh, at the rim whenever he's on the floor. Um, Marcus Smart is a guy that I just want to point out. Yeah, I kind of dig this. I'm glad that you're bringing this up. Go ahead. Yeah, he is just an unbelievable on-ball defender, an unbelievable help defender, creates action plays, gets into passing lanes. Uh, He is kind of the glue that holds a lot of what they do together. Uh, Al Horford has missed a lot of time. They've had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup, and they still have a top-five defense in the NBA. So I think that he is the guy that really should get – a lot of publicity for the work that he has done. Uh, he would probably be number five for me right now. If I was making, uh, you know, and I yeah. am making this list, he <laughs> would be number five for me. Right 
right now. A, a guy we got to mention before we move on to, to six man of the year, which I think should be a pretty short conversation, is is Drew Holiday. Because we all know sure. that Drew Holiday is a hyper elite defender. But with the Pelicans being so goddamn shitty on defense um, in general, and that includes when Drew Holiday is on the floor, it's, uh, it's really hard for me to give him the... Yeah acknowledgement that he probably deserves um, and and you know what like anthony davis would also be in my top 10 yeah uh you but know same, like I'm, same applies. I'm not having 10 i'm not having two guys from that shitty pelicans yeah. defense in my top 10 just like which is this which is the same argument you can make against draymond ultimately i think the warriors get up to a point and i think that draymond is the one who essentially makes that point um yeah. i would just expect a big second half out of him that said if paul george ends up winning it I don't think anyone could possibly complain because he has been truly fantastic. But defense is a team game, my friend, and uh, some teams really, really suck at it. All right, you want to go to sixth man of the year? Let's just not belabor this. It's it's Sabonis. It's Sabonis. And he's over Derrick Rose, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Montrez Harrell, and Bam Adebayo on my list but it's Sabonis with a bullet there's no question about it in my mind yeah he, he just is such a hub for them offensively whenever he's in the game he can run dribble handoffs he can uh, attack off the post he is uh, just such an incredible passer he, yeah. he, he does every single thing you could want offensively he's become a pretty useful defender he's not I would say he's about a league average defender not really a guy that's gonna kill that's you true. out there um, but like he's also not gonna be anywhere near like a top Top 50 defender list in the NBA, probably. Um, 62% from the field. Uh, he <laughs> is, that's so stupid. I mean, for especially a for who, a guy that's like six ten. does mid-range shots, yeah. Yeah, he's 6'10 with like a 6'11 wingspan. Like, he, the fact that he scores as efficiently around the basket as he does is just incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, no, six man of the year for sure. I have Spencer Dinwiddie at number two. To me, he is the clear number mm-hmm. two. Um, like, he is averaging 17 points and five assists a night. Uh, just has been such an incredible player for them in late game scenarios. He's so clutch. Uh, just every single thing that he does on the floor for uh, the Nets screams what their culture is in so many Absolutely. ways. Uh, so I have him number two. I have Montrose Harold number three. Uh, yep. His, you know, more his early season performances rather than what's been happening lately. But, you know, he was genuinely probably one of the top 15 centers in the NBA uh, over that, like, first quarter of the season. He's tailed off just slightly, but he, he yeah. is really, really good. He's a fun energy guy. Uh, he's by far the Clippers' best center. Um, I think when he's on the court, we get the best of what the Clippers are. And right now, the, the Clippers yeah. are a pretty damn good basketball team. Um, 16 points, seven rebounds. You know, yeah. he, he's very good. I have Bam at five. Um, frankly, it was getting a little difficult to find guys. Uh, Bam's put up some solid numbers across the board. I don't know if I feel any sort Lou, of – Lou Williams should be on there too. That's I fair. I mean, that that's fine. I think Lou Williams is always on this list. Um, yeah. Derek Rose, listen, I, I, there's, I do not want to give Derek Rose much time, uh, much lip service at all. Um, even as a son of Chicago and all of this, I'm, I'm out on Derek Rose. I'm totally out on Derek Rose, but he's having a very good year. Um, yeah, and I'm just going to pass on. He is just going to pass bench. on that entire conversation. Uh, I think that that is in your best interest, and, <laughs> and probably mine too. Who is your runner-up to Luka Doncic as the Rookie of the Year? Uh, so let's because talk Luka about Luka. Doncic is the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, let's talk about Luka real quick. I have Luka, yeah. DeAndre Ayton, and then Jaron Jackson. Uh, okay, I think DeAndre I have- and Jaron are interchangeable. Whichever one you want to have first, indeed I get it. they are, and that that is how I that is how I feel. I have Jaron too because Jaron is my one true son. Uh, Luka Doncic is averaging twenty points, seven rebounds, and five assists a night. Um, yeah, he's a teenager. That, 
and he's one of the impossible. best players in the NBA. <laughs> I kinda, you know what? You know what? I kind of want to fucking. I want to put. I want to put Luke on the t- you know all NBA team too. He, he's a top. He's fucking awesome. I, I don't that's think he's a like, It's probably yeah. A yeah. I don't, I don't think he's quite there. That would there. be fun though. That'd be fun. But if he did it. He's probably a top thirty-five player in the NBA right now, which is insane for a nineteen-year-old. But like we knew this coming in. What's insane well, I mean, is whoa, that. No, no, we no, didn't we... know this. Like, okay. I, like, look, as someone who watched probably in the range of 30 to 40 games of him uh, coming into the NBA, like I watched so much Luka Doncic that it was insane. Right. Uh, right. I did not expect this. This is like I said, 15, five and five coming into the year uh, with like somewhat like maybe some inefficient shots, like some inefficiency in general. Uh, he is it. 27 and five on a like league average true shooting percentage, slightly above average league average, true sh- slightly above league average true shooting percentage. Like he has yeah. been a monster. He, like I said, he is genuinely a top 20 player or not top 20 top 30 ish player in the NBA right now. Yeah. And that's impossible. Like that is just crazy. Two things I want to point out real fast. One, um, he's listed as a power forward on basketball reference, which is fucking hilarious. And sure. two, and two, uh, have you ever heard someone call him Wonder Boy? Yes, that is like I a love thing. it. That's my new I favorite know. nickname. <laughs> that that's like been like sort of a thing when he was over in Europe. Yeah. I, I like it and consider it locked in. Um Wonder Boy is definitely more hilarious than Hallelujah. We're not going to talk. I, I, I refuse to discuss that situation. Um, <laughs> just try a little bit harder. Um, Luca's awesome. Uh, I, I think, too, there is a level of perhaps appreciation for Luca that maybe goes. It, it's hard to really say that anything is out of the realm. Like, we should all be in awe of what he is doing. Absolutely. Yeah. But with Trey Young having as much struggle as he has had in that trade happening. Um, it does add in another layer of, um, I suppose, intrigue to the, to the proceedings. But right now he is, he is Dallas's best player. Um, he is the fulcrum of that team. He is a star right now and can get to a superstar level, true superstar yeah. level like next year. I don't know. Um, he might be the hardest player in the NBA to trade. Yeah, no, no one's no one's gonna be not to, not to go full soon. Bill Simmons on this, but like if you're we, we can go depth, full Bill. See, like I love Bill. Let's let's go full Bill. He's like probably, if, you're do, if you're doing the full depth chart of that, like man, like you Don, you don't get out of the top five with without saying Luka Doncic for sure. Yeah, um, like so. I still think it's probably LeBron at number one under a three year contract because you're just gonna sell so much shit with LeBron that like it's always gonna be valuable. But Luka. So, like, would you rather have Steph or Luca? Because Steph is on the on the long term deal as well. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Luca, but I'm I'm a big fan of you know I'm a big fan of just in general upside, right? Yeah, like like Nikola yeah. Jokic or Luca. I think I take Luca. Oh, Luca. There's no question on Luca. Yeah. Um, Giannis. Durant, Giannis might be the one guy. I'd still take Giannis um, is like yeah. a trade value guy. Uh, yeah. Kevin Durant has one year left. So like, no, yeah. you can't, I mean, what can't about really say it? that. I think you take Luke over Embiid. I don't feel great about saying that, but I think you do. Um, do you take him over Harden? I mean, I do. I probably, Harden, Harden is 29 and those, are, those have been 29 hard years or at least the last five have been. 
I probably, mm, I don't know. That's like, that's like the breaking point for me. It's like, I'm not sure if I take them uh, like those, those like last two years of that Harden deal could get real ugly, but James Harden right. also just immediately makes you elite. Whereas like Luca, I mean, Dallas is 19 and 22 right now. Like he's been very good, but yeah, like, he's, he's, he's also 19 years old. I mean, Jason right. Tatum is the better. I mean, that's his peer, right? <laughs> like Jason Tatum's the peer. And yet here we are. Um, Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton's yeah. averaging 16.5 points, 10.6 rebounds on 60% shooting from the field. Like, no no one under, I think, like, 23 has done that, basically. No, you know, he, he's, he's doing really quite stupid stuff. Now, the defense is going to be lacking. Everyone should have expected the defense to be lacking. It's not um, – he hasn't, you know – captured the minds and hearts the way that Luca has. And it's frankly unfair because any other year he'd be a, he'd probably be a shoo in, but I think that Jaron Jackson is number two on this list, but I don't need to go on about how much I love Jaron Jackson anymore. Well, well, let's talk about Jaron real quick. Jaron is averaging 13 points, uh, 4.6 rebounds, 1.2 assists per game. Uh, Plus all that defensive. Certainly an incredible, very, very good defender. He is like, Legit, he is not a good rebounder. Like, that is a problem. That's factual. That's factual. He only averages um, 4.5 a game. It's been a problem since Michigan State. Uh, his shooting, 33.7% from three. Uh, he spaces the floor. He gets respect out there, which matters, so they space the floor a little bit. But, like, those still aren't, like, hyper-efficient shots that he's taking out there either. Um, yeah, but he's he just, too, like... A, he, too, 19 years old. He's, like, very clearly just, like, way below DeAndre as an offensive player right now. Right, and I, I would argue that Jackson is significantly better than Aiton on the defensive the, end. Yeah, I'd agree. If you want to flip those two one way or the other... I mean, long-term, really... lo- long Aiton is going to be, I presume, the better player because that offense is yeah. already there and only can get up there, and I think that the defense will come around because I think Aiton absolutely has the skill set to be a, a game-changing two-way. Uh, I, I don't think that Jackson's... I think Jackson's going to have an extremely high defensive ceiling. I don't think he can get his offensive ceiling to the same level. But right now, they're interchangeable, as you said before. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with my guy. Uh, Coach of the year, Mike Budenholzer, we both have at number one. Yep. That's just very obvious to me. Uh, Not even close. He's totally reshaped the fortunes Who's of your number their two? franchise. Uh, I have Mike Malone. That is a very, I mean, it's very hard for me to say it's not Mike Ballone, but I have Dave Yeager. Reasonable. I have him at four. Okay. Who do you have as three? Doc Rivers. Same. Doc Rivers. <laughs> that, let, that, me eat, let me eat some crow here. That uh, island of misfit toys should not work. <laughs> I was, I've always been a little bit high on the island of misfit toys. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what didn't work. Doc Rivers as executive. Uh, you no. just have to give them guys because it, it's, it's Doc Rivers is as much as I have shit all over him for not being able to put together previous teams and not maximizing previous teams. He is an extremely creative offensive mind. And there's been a lot of creative stuff that the, the Clippers have done this year and a lot of kind of old favorites that Doc has dusted off that he wasn't able to do with Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin. Um, I think we're seeing the best of Doc. He seems a little bit more liberated. Um, I think there's just a lot of positives to be gleaned from this year. And, um, you know, a team whose best player is Tobias Harris has a top five offense right now. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not even playing Milos. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, (laughs) yeah. Rookie, you know, uh, uh, a backcourt, which is, let's just say tumultuous, uh, a rookie and two guys who are, you know, Avery Bradley has been as much as some on Twitter or uh, to the defense, like, no, he, he's been a been pile of shite this year. Really bad. Um, he's been right. really, really bad. 
like we you all know what you're getting from Patrick Beverly, but Patrick Beverly's no one's first idea of a, an elite point guard. Um, yeah, they they have done a really really nice job, and I don't see any reason to think that they won't continue to do so. So Doc Rivers definitely deserves uh, to be number three on the coach of the year list, and then uh, Nate McMillan is number five. Yep, uh, Dave Yeager. Real quick, let's talk about Yeager. Yeah, uh, the fact that this pellet or this uh, Kings team is yeah. twenty and twenty one. Seems impossible to me. And they are extremely fun. Um, They are playing a style. I'm going to give bonus points to Jaeger because he's doing the exact opposite of what I think that the Kings hired him to do and what he had done up until that point, right? Like, and Jaeger came in and they brought in Zach Randolph and all that. Like, they were going to play the slow plotting thing. And DeAndre Fox, Fox was terrible in that system. Now, being a rookie and all this stuff, that plays into it. But Dave Yeager goes, who's the best player on our team? Who's the most talented player on our team? Who's the guy that we have to make work? Okay, well, it, it's Fox, the Air Fox. And it's like, well, what do we need to do? Well, you need to play the way he plays. And that is fast yep. and furious in this. And so he just said, fuck it, we're doing it. And they had, in, in a strange way, they already had the skill set. They made some nice moves this past off season. They are as fun of an NBA team as there is currently to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. It is not uh, championship basketball by any stretch. Uh, we're not going to pretend that it isn't, but no one wants to go play them. Uh, they, they're they good. Like, they're legitimately good. I think they're going to stay legitimately good. Not great. Not contending. Nothing like that. Yeah. But they, they might sneak into this goddamn playoffs. They're the Sacramento fucking Kings. And Dave I, I, Yeager deserves a lot of credit for reinventing himself and reinventing that team on the fly because... They, they decided that they were going to highlight an exceptional talent. I do not think that they are going to make the playoffs. Uh, but believe, I have enjoyed Sammy. them. I've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed them hardcore. Uh, Mike Malone, I just want to bring up Mike Malone because yeah, that talk defense about was such a disaster for yeah. multiple years. And we mentioned like, it a little again, bit earlier when we were talking about Jokic, but yeah, it, it, it's a really big deal. Yeah, to me, like that is that that is the biggest reason that they are currently the number one seed in the Western Conference. Um, you know, the, the Making a top 10 defense out of what they have pieces wise is incredibly impressive. Mike Malone deserves a lot of props there. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about because they have Will Barton. So let's, you know, cool it. Uh, <laughs> you love Will Barton. I do. Let's love talk Will about Barton. most improved is our last one. I, I have Fox. I don't even think it, it's that close. And listen, I love Pascal Siakam and I love Sabonis. And I think Vukovic has had a great year and Thomas Bryant is doing some nice things. That's my top five, but I think it's five. How about Thomas Bryant? I am here for that Thomas Bryant pick. <laughs> the, the greatest Bryant in Lakers history. Um, it, I think it's... I, I think it's a very clear-cut uh, argument. Listen, yes, I, I, I'm all about Pascal Siakam, and he has been fantastic, and anyone who votes for him, I'm not going to be angry with them. Um, but Fox has taken his game to a new level. Um, he is the first, the last, the everything for a fun, energetic, surprising Sacramento Kings team. Don't, don't, you, don't you shade my guy Buddy Heald like that. No, no, no. Listen, like, but like, Buddy doesn't do it if the if if Fox is not getting what he's getting. If he is not getting in the lane and demanding double and triple teams, and if he is not, you know, creating chaos every single possession. Buddy's a good player. Buddy is a goddamn spot up shooter, and spot up shooters need dudes to create. Buddy is not a creator. De'Aaron Fox is creating. Uh, he has been fantastic. The numbers bear it out. Uh, I like I like Siakam. I think that the Raptors would still be real good if, if Pascal Siakam. Maybe hadn't made that much of a jump. I can tell you straight up that the Sacramento Kings would not be as good if De'Aaron Fox had not made made this jump. Uh, so I, I don't really agree that that uh, Pascal <laughs> that the Raptors would not be as good or would be as good without. Pascal they wouldn't. Be, they, they wouldn't be as dramatic of a fall off, is what I'm saying. Probably true. De'Aaron is more important. 
But uh, yeah. I, I have De'Aaron at number two, and I have Siakam at number one. Um, to me, like there is just something to like a top five player getting to his second year. That's fair. That's fair. The expectations were higher. What I will say is like De'Aaron Fox was really bad last year. Like I, I have him at number two because he was genuinely not a very good basketball player last year in the NBA. It would have been a, a lot of people would have been correct to say, or not correct, but wouldn't have been off base to call him a straight up bust. Yeah, like you don't use the word bust like after like first year on like certainly a confidence. Pick. Confidence but, was wavering pretty significantly within the basketball community on him. For sure, that's true. And with Siakam, like this is a guy who went to New Mexico State. Yeah, who, he's been playing basketball for like seven years. Who was like a like I did not think he was a first round prospect whenever they took him. Like I had him at like forty or so yeah. on my board. Um. What did you and see out of a young Pascal Siakam at, 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 in Las Cruces, New Mexico? Crazy fucking motor, crazy length, and yeah. uh, just super, not even like a crazy athlete laterally like you see now with him, but just a, a incredible rebounder and, and had all sorts of ability and touch as a scorer inside. He averaged something like, I want to say like 22 and 12 at New Mexico State. Um and he showed some potential to shoot it from distance. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that it has come as along as quickly as it has with his ability to shoot it. I um, agree with that. He, he is like genuinely a top 60-ish player in the NBA right now. And the fact that they're getting that from a guy who went 27th in the draft, who did what he did in his first two years, is crazy to me. Like he is, he is so drastically improved his game over the course like of he's improved so many skills within his game over the course of the last three years that it's crazy. Like De'Aaron Fox is basically doing what we expected De'Aaron Fox to do. He's doing exactly what his skill set was. What Pascal Siakam is doing like off the dribble, he had no off the dribble game at New Mexico State. Like he had no he had like very little, he had like potential to shoot it, but no shooting consistency at New Mexico State. Like De'Aaron Fox is a better shooter than what he was at Kentucky, but it's just like to me the the improvement part of most improved mm-hmm. is you know like it's just crazy with Siakam. It's a great story. Jeff McMullen, the goat, uh, wrote a really good one. I think it was like last May. Um, I'd recommend everyone go go and read the Pascal Siakam story. Uh, the priesthood lost one, but basketball game. Uh, and then I have Vucevic and Miles Turner also most improved. If you look at Turner's, I numbers, like that mile. I like that Miles Turner one. Yeah, for me, it's defense with Turner. Uh, he literally is doing the exact same thing he's always done offensively so uh his his like per 36 numbers are hilarious points in four years points 16.3 16.6 16.2 this year 16.7 rebounds 8.7 8.3 8.2 this year 9.1 uh blocks 2.3 2.4 2.3 the first three years 3.6 per 36 minutes this year uh field goal percentage 49.8 51.1 47.9 50.9 basically the same player offensively is what he's been in the past defensively he's made a huge undeniable leap in the way that he is now not so jump happy defensively uh he doesn't foul uh as much as he has like early in his career i think that the numbers are basically in line but it seems like the like terrible dumbass fouls that like shouldn't happen are down for him um he he has just become a legit defensive centerpiece for a team that is a very very good defensive yeah no totally agree 
Um, it, it feels like we should probably have given more love to the Pacers on this. So they're really good. And yes, it's but like when you're doing superlatives, when you're doing like superlative things yeah. like this, and their best player missed what, what did Vic miss like ten games, something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's hard, you know. Like I think by the end of the year, Victor Oladipo is probably going to be my number six guy in you know all NBA for the guards. Right. But valid, you know, but right get, now we got, it's got to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, <sighs> that's it. That's all we got. Uh, that's what, what, are, what has been going on in your life, man? Oh, you know. Again, just just trying to get these McVeigh connections. What did I watch? What what think about what I've watched recently? Finish uh, the I'm, Americans. I'm watching okay. Patriot right now. Yeah, you tweeted about that last night. That's the Amazon show. Yes, it is. Give me the one. Give me the one second pitch. There are multiple times every episode where I genuinely just laugh out loud. That's, uh, a, very, that's a very good. Uh, that's a very good pitch. It is just like super, super like dry humor. Uh, okay. It's like about a uh, undercover uh, per, like knock agent who is trying to stop Iran from getting nuclear capabilities. And he like works at this like piping so a firm. real whack, wacky concept. But he, but he works at like this uh, piping firm called Macmillan okay. and like okay. has to deal with Kurtwood Smith, the dad from that 70s show. Who, wow. Just like Did hates he him. die recently? No, he didn't. He's still alive. Oh, damn. Putting him in the ground before his time. Quit, quit, quit. I, watched, I watched that Sunderland documentary on Netflix. How is that? I'd recommend it, but for airplanes only. Okay. I'll tell you what movie. I'll tell you. Uh, so, so it's I, Jack Ryan, basically. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. Very different. Very different. Yeah. Um, Very different. I would, uh, I would recommend the movie Annihilation if you haven't seen it yet. I couldn't get into it. Not going to lie to you. Yeah. yeah. I digged it. I digged it mainly because it was just so fucking trippy. It was very trippy. I think that's why I struggled with it a little bit. Listen, I get that, but the entire time I'm like, "Whoa!" They're like, they're doing something. There was, it was happening. There was, they were trying. Yeah. Not sure if it was great, but it kept it kept me uh, engaged. We haven't talked for a couple of weeks. I've seen A Star Is Born since we talked. Your thoughts? Um, it was very good. It was very it's, very it's, good. It's very good, but probably not great, right? Yeah, I, I think that the last half of it struggles. But I mean, uh, listen, when when you when you're competing with other movies, like other great movies, like Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't know how you can. You're you're gonna get me started on this. You're you're gonna you're gonna get me in the. <laughs> the only thing I know about that movie is how much you hate it, and when it won, all I could think about was, hey. Oh. I don't need to do a full-on podcast on this because the guys over at Brunch uh, yeah. did a full-on podcast of it. So just yeah. go listen to that. It was an incredible <laughs> podcast. Please just go listen to them. Um, <laughs> it was so bad. It was, it was so bad. A, I, um, I haven't watched it, but I feel like I need to now. Uh, <laughs> a Star is to. Born. The first like 30 minutes or 40 minutes of A Star is Born, yeah, I think is probably the best, like, 30 to 40 minutes I will see in a theater this year. It's just not a very high bar though. I, I, I just don't feel like we've seen anything truly great. Um, that's kind of frustrating. Usually there's one or two movies that I can just stand for, but last couple of years, like a fucking shape of water. I didn't like shape of water was good. It didn't do uh, it for me. Yeah. That was, it was fine. It was, it was, it was good. fine. It was a good, I'm not saying it was a bad movie. I've certainly seen some bad movie this year. I I haven't seen the new Spider-Man. I hear everyone. The new Spider Man's good. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like a very fun hour and 40 minutes to spend. That sounds good to me. Um, That sounds good to me. I'd like to see that. I'm going to see if Beale Street could talk this week. I'm going to see Green Book this week. Uh, Yeah, I hear Green Book is ham fisted. I saw Vice. That was a fucking terrible film. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to see Vice. I've not seen Vice. Um, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Vice real fast. And, and listen, everyone's uh, subject to their own interpretations. I don't think it's going to shock anybody to know that I'm uh, pretty left leaning. Like I'm not a fan <laughs> of Dick Cheney, uh, and I haven't been for a very long time. And that's not because I don't have the facts. It's because I think he's a fucking asshole. By the um, way, in Patriot, there is an yeah. episode titled Dick Cheney for very hilarious reasons. Okay. Yes. So I am the target audience. I am a, a, a white, highly educated, I would like to think making decent money male in the middle of a liberal utopia who already has very bad thoughts and is willing to believe any negative thing about Dick Cheney. And I go to this movie and I I must have turned to my girlfriend and said, what the fuck are we watching at least 10 times? <laughs> it was the most forced fed nonsense it was a it was a propaganda fever dream it made it made 15 years of fox news complaining about like liberal propaganda in the left-wing media look correct oh i felt sorry for dick cheney at the fucking end of it here is my official thing i think the big short was a really really good movie Adam McKay did the big short. He obviously did it by adapting Michael Lewis's tremendous book. Yeah. Um, Adam McKay clearly, and that was his first, you know, dramatic turn, if you will, even though it was more of a dramedy. Um, Adam McKay just wrote this movie. He, he, he was the writer and director of this. If anyone lets Adam McKay direct another movie in which he has no specific source material, they should be fired on the spot. It is legitimately the worst major budget motion picture I have ever seen. <laughs> Oh my God. And she agrees. Penny agrees. I think my fiance is home, so that's time. This has been the Game Theory <laughs> Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Google it's Play. It's chaos Android, in these streets. Uh, wherever you get your fine podcasting content. Uh, but until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.